Welcome. This is the Life Habits Podcast series, and my name is Carl Vradenberg. This is the series that helps you to learn new habits to optimize your life in order to stay sane in this crazy world. This is episode number 67, and the topic is Types of Support. I'm joined for this podcast episode with UK psychologist Mandy Kloppers, who was with us some episodes ago now, and I'm delighted to have her back. Welcome back, Mandy. Thank you, Paul. Good to be here. It's great to have you back. And I've asked Mandy to address a topic that one of the listeners of the podcast series, Tia, asked that I did actually mention in a previous episode as well. And I said we would follow up and get answers to the questions that Tia asked. And this is what Tia had written. Every time I think of topics that may be of interest to you for podcast ideas, I always seem to stumble upon one that has already been covered in my question. However, I've started working with a business slash life coach, and although you already cover off mentoring, it may be beneficial to examine this service and how one might get the best out of it. For example, what's a life business coach, and what do they do, how can they help, and importantly, how can we get the most out of a relationship with a life coach? So I've asked Mandy to go through and come up with answers to a few very basic questions that many of you may actually have because what we do on this podcast series together is only a part of what we can do to overall improve our lives and the like. And there are limitations to obviously what we can do together here. And it's very important to be aware of the sorts of services that Mandy and her colleagues provide for people as well. So we wanted to go through just three basic questions of when should you seek help? What type of help is available and what to expect? And so let's start, if we could, Mandy, with the first question. When should you seek help? Okay, Carl. Well, this is an interesting one because, you know, life has a way of sending us challenges. Um, there's a lot of ups and downs, ebbs and flows of life. And I think it's when you get to a point where there's issues that start to affect your day-to-day functioning. It could be that you're battling to get up in the morning, you're not eating as well, your sleep is getting disturbed, you may sort of feel that you don't want to get out of bed every morning. There's a lot of reasons, but when you feel that it's starting to affect how you interact with others, how you get on with your daily chores, that might be a time to start looking at the fact that there's an issue and delving a bit deeper. It can also be, it can be when there's a transition in life, it could be a bereavement, you've lost somebody close to you, it could be the beginning of a relationship or the end of a relationship. I find a lot of people that come to me when they've had a breakup and they don't know what the next step is in their life and they're very confused and they feel very hurt and vulnerable. And um, it helps to talk through these things in therapy, figure out what their their priorities are and unpick a lot of issues, which sometimes people can't do on their own. They need to have an objective person to give them alternative ways of looking at things. So therapy can be incredibly useful for that. There can also be something of adjustment difficulties if you've just had a baby if you're pregnant and you're worrying about how that's going to affect your life and how that's going to change the dynamics of your relationship, that can also help. Then there's obviously the more serious things like depression or self-harming or suicidal ideation. That is when it's very serious and you need to usually include a GP, go see a GP about whether you need to go onto medication. It depends how serious the, the problems are that are affecting the individual. Other reasons could be addictions. If you suddenly find that because of the stress in your life, you're not, you've found a way of coping that's actually not working for you, it's working against you, like gambling or 
being addicted to alcohol or drugs, that can also be something that eventually catches up with you and therapy can help you to figure out what the causes and symptoms were that got you there in the first place. Stress and anxiety, that's another high factor that I, I get a lot of people coming to see me about where they just find that they're not coping and that the stress is getting to them and then they can start having anxiety and panic attacks. Things they used to find they could do, they, they get really anxious about. Sometimes they, they can even develop obsessive-compulsive behaviours in order to deal with the anxiety. So there's a lot of things around that as well. People that, that, are, that are very inhibited, depress their emotions, eventually that can turn out to be real anger and then that has its own issues. So that's about, you know, coming for therapy can unpick the anger, figure out what you've been suppressing and, and help deal with that so that you can minimise the anger and deal with things in a, in a more effective way. Then there's phobias as well, which is, it depends, it can be very serious or it can be a sort of less serious, like fear of flying or fear of spiders. And therapy can help with that as well, where you do a gradual exposure type therapy to help the person limit their fear and deal with that in the future. So there's many reasons that people should seek help. And in seeking help, it's, it's important to figure out when you're at that stage where you just feel that you really need that extra in input to help you see life more clearly. And sometimes when we have a subjective experience of life, we find it very difficult to untangle what's going on in our own lives. And having that, that objective person to sit and help you untangle things and, and challenge you slightly can be incredibly refreshing and help you just to see things from a completely different light. And that in itself sometimes can be enough, just the talking therapy. That sounds like a whole list of things that people should be thinking about that are sort of beyond handling by yourself or getting self-help books on or listening to this podcast, for example, that they can fine-tune typically on their own to a certain degree and a certain level of intensity. But certain problems are bigger than that. And if they are just beyond a little more serious than the ones we've talked about thus far on the podcast, series, for example, there are the kinds of things that you had mentioned. And also toward the end, you were also talking about this notion that even if it's not a really, really serious problem that you need full therapy for, that you may well want to have like a life coach, another person to really work through, you know, some of the things that you're dealing with that you can get more personal one-on-one sort of context you can provide some more like for example on this podcast series everybody that I talk to I can't get a lot back other than you know the odd email because you can't really fine-tune or customize sort of what all is being talked about and so there's some benefit to just being able to get together with another person who you know has particular training in this area to really optimize the experience and the progress even further. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. And I, I think that a lot of people try to be quite brave and cope on their own and cope on their own. And eventually something's got to snap. And that's why I think therapy has a huge part to play in keeping society mentally sane. I think that it provides a huge service to, to people who don't have support networks around them, who don't feel they can talk to people close to them. There's still a stigma about it and people sometimes feel they have to be seen to be coping. And... This is a confidential way of getting that help and that support that can just get you through the tough times in life because we all have them ups and downs and this can just help smooth that over and get you through, give you the, the extra support. So when you actually seek out that help, and it's a little different in every country and every jurisdiction, I would imagine, in terms of how you go about doing that, but 
I wonder if we could also now just explore a little about what types of help there really are that are available that somebody can actually think through of the kinds of things that we've just talked about all the problems and all the challenges and all of the things that may bring us into the desire to get help. Maybe we can just talk a little bit about the types of help that are available. Yeah, sure. I mean, this is quite a vast topic and there are so many different types of schools of thought and, and ways of looking at things and the different types of therapists that they are with different schools of thought, but I'll, I'll try and go through them as systematically as I can. I'll start with the sort of the more the easier one for me, I think it's the easiest, is life coaches, because I think that's more, it's about action planning, it's about goal setting, uh, looking at, at what's realistic, often what they'll do is they'll help you put together a plan and then they'll say, right, so we're going to do this and this this week, and then you, you, you check in with your life coach in a week or so. Um, see what's been done, what the issues were that came up with trying to achieve that. They often work with within career coaching or finding direction for people or putting together plans. It's quite sort of active and, and so you could, it's concrete steps to to achieve pro career progression or looking at ways to find direction and move forward in life if someone's felt trapped for a while and they just don't know how to move forward. So that can bring real concrete examples of actions in people's life whereas the the talking therapies they can be a little bit less overt i think it, it can sometimes be a slower process and there again there's different types of therapy there's the, the more long-standing therapy like the psychotherapies where it's a lot of talking and, and psychoanalytical type therapy where a therapist will look into your background will go through what happened in your childhood will look at things that you might have suppressed as a child and how that can be now affecting you in your modern day life. So it's a slow process and can take quite a while to actually get through that and can be quite an upsetting process, but can also be incredibly uplifting if you can get through and understand what happened to you and then what happened as a child, if you've had an abusive childhood or difficult experiences in the past. So there's the psychoanalytical theories and the, the other types of theories that there's in the, within the talking therapies is another one called cognitive behavioral therapy, which is something that I, I use a lot in my therapy, which is looking more at the current situation and problems rather than the psychoanalytical therapies, which look a lot more at the past. This focuses, CBT short, focuses on the here and now, what the problems are, and looks at your ways of thinking. The theory behind CBT is that for every belief that we have and every emotion there is a thought that precedes that so there's something that we're saying to ourselves in our thinking which is then turning into an emotion uh, and then that emotion changes our behavior and then it, it just creates a cycle of, of reinforced behavior and reactions from other people so CBT can be good in that it's, it's current it looks at the issues that are happening now it can actually help to bring change quicker than psychoanalytical therapy can and with CBT, it can also be done in quite a short term. You, it, you could have as, as few as four sessions with a therapist and already start to see huge improvements. So if you're looking for something that's a bit of a more quick solution, and CBT would be for you. Then there's, there's another talking therapy called DBT, which is dialectical behavior therapy, which again, I don't use this one as much, but from what I know of it, it it's very similar to cognitive behavior therapy, but it's also got the added dimension of mindfulness and trying to be present in the moment and looking at life now. I do find with a lot of my clients that they tend to always be living for the future and don't and always worrying about future possibilities and potential worries that might happen. 
and dialectical behaviour therapy tries to get you to focus in the here and now and not worry so much about the what-ifs of life because that can cause so much anxiety on its own. So DBT is very useful for that. The other thing I wanted to mention which I thought would be interesting was the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Psychologist deals mainly with behaviour and patterns of thinking, whereas a psychiatrist would also look at the, the biological origin of distorted thinking or behaviour, and, and they are the ones that prescribe medication like antidepressants if they feel that you need this. And often it's very important to have the medication if it's quite a serious depression, if you feel you just cannot re react to the world and you just want to hide, then seeing a GP or a psychiatrist and getting the medication can be an essential first step before the talking therapies take place. Because I've often had clients who come to me and they're just so depressed, they're in such a dark place that the talking therapies just aren't going to do the job and they need to be lifted out of that, that dark pit first before that we can actually interact and work work on the talking level, if that makes sense. So the drugs can help to just bring somebody up a few levels so that they're actually more willing to engage and that you can actually do the work with them. Sounds like actually one of the best ways that I've ever heard described, Mandy, of the need to, as you say, lift somebody out of that pit, that up a few levels so that you can actually start to work on cognition. Because if somebody is just way, way too deep, needs some help to raise them up. So a very, very good way to give that as an example. Yes, I have had that happen a few times with somebody come to see me, but they are just in such a low place and everything is doom and gloom and they just cannot see a way out. And none of the talking therapy is, is effective at that stage. And it's an amazing turnaround to see these people come back after two, three weeks when they've started their medication and suddenly they're just so much more engaging and they, they just see things in a different way and they actually take on board what, what the talking therapy is about. So it can make a huge difference and that's part of the skill of being a good therapist is knowing when somebody's going to be able to engage and when the talking therapy will work and be efficient and when they're just not quite ready for it. So, so that's something that I'm always looking for as well. The other thing that I, I thought I'd mention about the different types of therapy is that some therapists are more directive than others. Some will sit there and give you a bit more feedback and guide you a little bit. Some will just sit there and go, how does that make you feel? And let you come to a decision on your own. Um, some therapists are more directive than, than others and they will allow you to come to a decision or an idea or some kind of solution on your own. Whereas some therapists will give you feedback and guidance and give you a little more feedback. It just depends. Um, I find that the way that I work is a little bit more directive. I find that people quite like being being able to get a little bit of feedback because sometimes they feel so tangled up in their own thoughts and so confused, and that's why they come to see me in the first place. Mm -hmm. But I never, ever tell somebody what to do. I think that they need to be able to figure it out for themselves, but I think sometimes they need the guidance because they're just so lost and they're so subjectively involved. They cannot see the wood for the trees. So that is when therapy can be really useful in helping somebody to see things differently. Person-centered therapy revolves around offering a safe environment for somebody where they do not feel judged on any level. It's unconditional acceptance. They can say whatever they need to say and feel that they're not being judged and that it's a safe environment and allows them to develop a sense of self and offers them unconditional positive regard. I think this is essential in, in allowing somebody to feel trust and to feel that they can let their barriers down because in the rest of the world we all have to have our barriers up to be aware of people's real intentions. So in therapy it's a kind of a different setup in that you can just relax and 
be yourself and talk about your fears and that is quite a unique setting that you don't really get in many other places in life, many other settings in life. So it also sounds like there are obviously different methods for different types of you know, disorders or problems and that therapists are also in a position to appropriately identify what might be the appropriate methods for the particular type of problem. But there are also some individual differences in the ways in which a client or a person coming to get help really has as the way that they like to work and their particular type of, you know, personality. Like you just said, the differentiation between, you know, more directed and non-directed. I mean, some of these things really come down to the chemistry, I think, between what it is that the therapist is doing or the coach is doing and the individual as well, right? Exactly. I think it applies to my own personal experience, but I have read it in lots of literature as well, that, you know, 50% of the makeup of a therapist's interaction with their client is to do with just how, how you feel when you're with that person. Do you feel they understand you? Do you feel that you can trust them? And do you feel that there's a rapport there? Some some people you'll, you will just naturally feel that with, and some people you will feel like they just don't get me at all. And that's natural part of the whole process because you know you, you're opening yourself up to a stranger, and that can be quite a daunting experience for many people to take that first step. Once you've taken that step, and if you find somebody that you gel with and that they they understand you, it can be a liberating experience. It can be really wonderful, and you can feel somebody gets me and somebody I can I can talk and. I find it's a lot with my male clients, actually. I'm generalizing here, but uh, they seem to have less of a support network than females do. In general, I am generalizing. Mm-hmm. But, um, and they seem to you know, be so glad to have somebody that they can come talk to because they say, I can't talk to my male friends because they, you know, they, they, they just think I'm being a sissy or you know, I need to just get, be a man and deal with it. So I, I think it provides a huge service to, to people. The type of therapy that I use is I have many different toolkits and, and many ways of looking at things and it's an integrative way of doing therapy and that I look at the person and again person-centered therapy I look at how, how they are what the issues are and some people you know enjoy worksheets some people prefer just talking some people are just grateful to have somebody to listen to right. them so it just depends on the individual and this, this interaction and having the skill to pick up on what their needs are. So those kinds of differences Mandy I mean, some of them, like you said, the gender differences are important. You have to be comfortable. Maybe there's certain topics that people won't want to talk, you know, cross-gender on with a therapist. Other ones, it may be sort of more optimal. And there's also, as you say, just the sheer individual difference, just like friends, just like relationships, just like everything comes down to that especially in this kind of relationship, whether we're talking about a, a life coach or we're talking about a, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, I think we're also talking about very, very importantly opening up and getting into some pretty personal information. And as a result, you have to be very comfortable with the person that you're working with and you need to trust them. And so the interaction dynamic really is important you know here as well so people should keep that in mind and not just assume that somebody has a title therefore they are the right one for them just like we don't have that with regard to other aspects of our lives we shouldn't expect it here either absolutely i just think the things that are so important is just finding somebody that's not judgmental that's not going to sit there and because i do hear some wild stories about what people do and how, how they look at life and we all there is no hard and fast rule on how we live our lives what we do and um, and I think it's really important to just have a safe non-judgmental environment somebody can just be themselves and not feel there'll be any recriminations that is is a huge asset for somebody so if we've gone through the list 
of the types of help available, maybe we can move next then to kind of trying to get some perspective. You know, some we've got people listening who may be considering that, you know, some of the problems they've been trying to deal with are in fact more serious that they really want to go and get some level of professional help for, or they want to get a coach, or they want to get a therapist, let's say. They might also want to get some ideas to what to expect. Now, you've described a little bit of what these various methods are and the types of help that are available. I don't know if we could go next into just giving a glimmer. And I know we can't do full justice to this. In fact, we can't do justice to the list of therapists and therapies and the like either. You know, but within the context and the time frame of this podcast episode, what if you could just give the listener some idea of what to expect and maybe how to optimize the experience of getting the best possible kind of result from working with somebody in a professional support role? Okay, well, I think it's important to to start out with some idea of why you would be seeking help. I think one of the, the first questions that a therapist will ask is, why are you seeking help? What, what do you feel is the, the problem that has brought you here? Um, and that would be then expanded upon. Um, but the, the first session is usually just about getting to know each other, seeing how you feel with the other person, understanding the dynamics between the two of you. How do you feel with that person, but like what we've just talked about? It's important that the therapist explain a few parameters about therapy, and that is that it's, it's always confidential. That's hugely important. The only time that for me, it wouldn't be confidential, would be if there were child protection issues, or obviously if my clients said they were going to harm themselves or somebody else, then I would usually have a GP, GP details, and that would all be discussed. You know, it's an all very open and a trustworthy environment, so everything else is completely confidential. It, again, it's just important to see how you feel. Do you feel relaxed? Do they make you feel at home? Talking about the problem can be tricky. Some therapists will just sit there and say, so, why are you here? And they'll just open up the floor to you, and that can be quite daunting. Um, others will ask you lots of questions to get, the, you know, to get you in the mood and make you feel a little bit more at home. So it just depends, again, it's individual preference, how you feel at, at the time, and hopefully the therapist is skilled enough to pick up on what kind of person you are if you're forthcoming, if you're more hesitant to talk. Um, and then they will pick up the slack, hopefully, on that in order to make you feel at ease. It's really important and it's a huge skill. You can have all the academic qualifications and know what to do and when to do it, but if you don't have people skills, then you know, it's seriously lacking. It's got to be both together for um, therapy to be successful. Again, also looking at you know, how you feel about the therapist, whether they are somebody that's going to help guide you and give you more positive, concrete feedback, or whether they're somebody that's just going to sit there and ask you to lead the, the session. Sometimes some therapists will say, so what do you want to talk about today? Other therapists will have something pre-planned and it's a little bit more directive and they will, they will guide you. Um, it works for some people, it doesn't work for everybody. Again, it's about finding out from the therapist what type of therapy they'll use and ask them questions as to you know how long the sessions will be, whether they do the kind of therapy that you feel will be useful to you, whether you want to delve into your childhood or whether you need a, something to help you now if, if the problem is, is severe enough and causing enough problems in your life. Some therapists are quite strict as well. They'll say, right, well, you have to book a block of sessions and you can't miss one. And if you do, you're going to have to pay. Some will be more relaxed and say, you know, we'll work it on a week-by-week -week schedule, which is what I tend to do. I never want my clients to feel that they have to come and see me and that there's some kind of burden to them. It's, it's, it's a very open situation. But that, again, depends on the type of therapist. And some are more old school, some are more modern thinkers. 
it's all about how you gel together. Um, you could also ask them what, what sort of school of thought they come from, but generally you should know that if, if you phone them up, you'll know whether they're psychoanalytical, as in they'll go back on your history, or whether they're CBT or DBT type therapists. They, they will get an idea of your history. They'll ask you why you're there, what's been going on. They will try and find out triggers for, for what is causing these issues. So that's quite a big thing. They also, a lot of therapists, will, if they're cognitive type therapists, will, will look at your thinking. We'll try and find whether distorted patterns. I mean, there's also talk about schema therapy, which looks at patterns that we may have obtained during our lives from our childhood when something's happened to us that's made us look at the world differently. And these patterns can become quite ingrained in how we look at the world. So a therapist would be able to help you see where some of your patterns are unhelpful and are actually causing you trouble and strife in, in your life. Um, and just make you more aware, we can become so used to the way we look at the world and the way we think that it becomes like, well, that's fact, that's reality. Mm-hmm. And a therapist can be really good at sort of saying, well, is that reality? Is that really, you know, challenge, challenge? And it can be quite quite insightful to a client to just be subtly challenged on, on the way that they look at the world and their perceptions. A therapist will look at medication, whether, whether there's been any history of any depression in the past or, or family history of, of depression or mental illness or anything like that because it all it all feeds into the fuller picture of, of what's going on. So the initial session is usually a, an assessment and then at the end of the session a therapist should be able to give you some idea of how long they think you'll need to see somebody, whether they can help you and give you an idea of how they're going to go about helping, whether it's more cognitive based, whether they're looking at your thinking, whether it's looking at your past or why these certain patterns have, have emerged whether they just whether it's just going to be mainly a talking therapy where you're just sitting and talking and getting that out it's, it's more of a gestalt type therapy there's lots of different ways that therapy can be taken forward so that's a really good sense of what kinds of experiences people can expect and what would happen during the first session all that kind of thing i was going to just mention too that i know a number of people now are using technologies in therapies and in coaching and the like. And I know that a number of people, I know in your case, you do the lion's share of your work, you know, in person, but there are also increasingly number of people who do sessions over some technology mediated sort of sessions like uh, using Skype or others. And we even talked to you about this many, many episodes ago uh, using uh, texting even. Now, each of these differ in you know, the degree to which you are with the person, you know, in person, or you're able to see them at least in a computer screen, or you are getting some level of advice and counseling, even if there's not the visuals and even if there's not the auditory, but even just have some personalized text type stuff. There's obviously a range here, but each of these things, the ways in which I think they differ from self-help is that there's still some level of linkage to another human being that is taking your particular context into account and is able to further hone and customize what it is is going on. I don't know if you want to say anything more about that. Yes, the other thing that I, I should have mentioned was that within the different types of therapy, there can also be through a play therapy. I know some therapists you know, you have sand pits and they use little models and they, and I know it's used a lot of for children, but, but some adults use this kind of play therapy as well and it's a way to articulate and express certain underlying issues. Um, another thing that psychologists tend to do more than just, you know, a typical talking therapist or counsellor would do is questionnaires um, where they'd be looking at sort of your schemas that are existing or they'll do assertiveness type questionnaires 
or anger questionnaires. So it can be that there's a lot more sort of paper-based things as well. I tend to mix a bit of paper-based type questionnaires with talking therapy. Um, so again, it's quite an eclectic approach. But yes, there are many different ways to get therapy. Texting is, is a great way, I think, of moving forward with technology, combining therapy with techno modern technology. Um, but of course, that is only, I would say, for very superficial issues that you might be having, whether it's a bust up with your boyfriend or you don't know how to deal with uh, a difficult teenager. Or, but, but to more superficial issues, that's not long standing because for something more substantial, you would need to see a therapist or go and get more sort of substantial help. But yes, there are loads of different types of therapies and they'll bring out all different sides to you. As I say, some of it is working on Skype. That seems to be something that a lot of people are doing now and, and I think it can work incredibly well. Uh, some people just can't get around or they're stuck in foreign countries or they need an English-speaking therapist and then technology is wonderful because it facilitates this interaction. It's great. Uh, there's texting, there's emailing. I've seen there's Ask the Experts now that you can get all these types of help online. I've even started up an online advice column, which is free, a free forum for, for people. But again, that would just be really superficial things like cyberbullying or uh, that hasn't become an ingrained pattern or, or causing any serious anxiety or harm to somebody. Um, but there are, I think it can be a bit of a minefield for, for, for people to decide, first of all, to take that step to go see a therapist, because that in itself can be incredibly daunting. And I myself have, have been in therapy as something that I like to practice, but I found it quite daunting, and I'm a therapist myself. Mm -hmm. So I can understand how a poor person out there might think, oh, I'm going to speak to a stranger, and how am I going to tell them, and what are they going to think of me, and what if I don't like them, and what's going to be like? Um, so there's taking that step and then deciding which medium to use, and you know, do I try to do Skype, or do I see somebody face-to-face? -face? And it, it can be a minefield, but I think just knowing that there are loads of people out there that are very skilled, will know how to put you at ease, you know, you, and I think you must trust your gut instinct on this when you're with somebody, just see how you feel in those initial 10, 15 minutes, do they make you feel at ease, do you feel comfortable that you can tell this person, and remember as well that trust will be built up over the session, so just see how things go on the first session, and, and whether you want somebody that's more directive. I know I used to get frustrated with a, a therapist that would listen to me for an hour and send me on my way and, and never tell me anything, no feedback on any level. And that, that was just my personal preference. Right. That used to frustrate me incredibly. So I preferred someone a bit more directive, but you know, somebody who's clever with it and doesn't tell you what to do, but just helps you, guides you in the right direction. So we've covered a lot of material in a very little amount of time. And I would suggest that in addition to anything that we've talked about here, people can Google any of the terms that you've talked about if they wanted to explore more about those different types of help, for example. And also just wanted to pick up on the last comment that you made regarding getting comfortable with the person as well, that there's a lot of people out there with very, very good skill to be able to help people. Some of it is in, a you know, we've talked about the variety of ways that you can get that help. And some people are really good as, as therapists and people that help. And there's also some quacks out there as well that you got to be, you know, cognizant of, especially now when you can uh, get virtually anything online. And so you need to be conscious and cautious, you know, about that as well. But that's where I think, again, your advice of use your own judgment 
environment. Does this sound like something that you're comfortable with? Does it look like the right direction for you? Keep that in mind and that while the expert that you're working with has lots of deep experience and advice and the like, it ultimately, just like any relationship takes two, it also takes two in terms of this relationship as well, regardless of what format, whether it's in person or technology mediated as well. Now, speaking of online, wanted to also just ask you to describe, Mandy, how people can find out more about you online as well. Okay, yes. Well, if they'd like to find out more about me, I have some YouTube videos, there's six of them, and they range from abusive type relationship to working on self-esteem and improving confidence. Um, and that's under the, the, the name of Text Tonic, which is my, my text advice side of therapy. Um, and then my website is, is www.mandyjane-lifedesign.com. So if anybody's got any questions about anything today, feel free to contact me via the, the contact form on there, and I'd be more than happy to to reply and uh, respond to that. And I can also endorse and encourage people to check out those resources. I know those YouTube videos are excellent and there are also other pointers from Mandy's website to you know things that she has written that I think are also hugely valuable. So I encourage you to go there and I will also include those coordinates on the site as well, the show notes site uh, here as well as the mp3 file uh, as well on iTunes. So that's gone through sort of a list of all of the things that you should think about that you may want to get help with. And uh, I think it's really important to realize that this podcast series can only go so far. And I keep on reinforcing that. There are situations that you find yourself in. There's types of things that you're dealing with. As Mandy says, that you really need to have another trained professional helping with. And so Mandy's list of those descriptions of those kinds of problems, I think are helpful that you should use in determining that. Think about the various things we've talked about with regards to the types of help that are available and be cognizant of what to expect and how to optimize that experience as well. Mandy, this has been an excellent session. Thanks so much for your participation. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for having me on Life Habits. It's a fantastic series and I recommend it to all of my clients and they love it. Thanks so much for that. And we will also plan to do, you know, follow-up sessions as well of other topics that we have considered doing in a collaborative session as well. So thanks to everyone who's listening and we'll talk to you all next time and bye for now.